AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's Dream Chess Motherfucking Podcast. Make some noise! He's a legendary Queens rapper. Hey, hey, Segre, it's your boy N-O-R-E. He's a Miami hip-hop pioneer. What up is DJ EFN? Together, they drink it up with some of the biggest players. You know what I mean? In the most professional, unprofessional podcast and your number one source for drunk facts. This Drink Champs motherfucking podcast. Where every day is New Year's Eve. It's time for Drink Champs. Drink up, motherfucker. What's going on, Drink Champs fans? This is a special edition. This is a whole different edition. I wanted to do something totally different. Um, you know, I know for people who've watched the show, who've, you know, uh, followed the show, you realize that I'm, I'm I quote unquote, I'm not a political guy. I'm not, you know, our thing is like we kind of like avoid religion and politics to a certain to, to a certain degree because we want people to come and have and have fun. And I know I'm not like, you know, a, a, a role model, but at the same time, I'm not blind. I am not blind. You know what I'm saying? I live in the same. Uh, uh, there's two Americas, and I live. Unfortunately, I live on one that that is being crushed right now. You know what I mean? And I'm a part of it, so I have to say something. I have to, you know. And, I, and so many times, I said this to you off the air. So many times, celebrities, you know, when they come to this, to to to, because you know, we all you even seeing Michael Jordan and, and Tiger Woods speaking out. Like it's like, you know what? But you could tell they go through certain publishers and things like that. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to say somebody that I respect, a person I consider an activist, and wanted to get my brother right here on here, not only to as as a guest. But to, to actually co-host, and you know, I got a couple of other brothers coming in. So I usually uh, give an introduction, and you know, I want I want I want you to tell the people exactly uh, who you are. What's up, good brother? This, this is Mark Lamont Hill. I am an activist. I'm a professor uh, at Temple University. Yes. I've been an organizer and an activist since I was 15. I'm 42, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a journalist. I'm host of BET News. Yep, and uh, I, I'm a, I'm a commentator, and you know, basically, I just try to tell the truth in public every chance I get. Yes, yes, yes. One of the things, um, 
I want to get into real quick. Hold on, I got a question for you. It's drink chance. I'm trying to get on drink chance. Like, we still drinking, right? Yo, 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 listen, I'm not going to lie. For this episode, I'm not sure about the drinking because I want to be on point. I, right, I'm going well, to smoke. I'm going to smoke a little bit. I'm sorry. I hope you right. don't mind. But you well, can drink if you were like, if you were drinking. I brought, I brought, I brought, I brought black on. That's what we have for. Okay, so listen, one of the um, questions that I like to ask was, uh, you was very clear on during the protest of how we're moving forward and how we um, um going um that the police t- picture taking isn't doing as good as we think it is right we gotta stop that shit man okay it, 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 here's the thing mm. it, it, it depends on what your goal is if your goal we, we people on the street right now talking about defunding police abolishing mm. police uh trying to reshape the world. Mm-hmm. And the problem is some people want to reform the police. Some people want to find a new way. If you're trying to reform the police, then yeah, that might work. But mm-hmm. our goal is to say, wait a minute, what we're doing right now as a society isn't working. The way we lock people up to solve our problems isn't working. The way we arrest our way out of everything isn't working. And when you go out there and you protest the police, you protest in police brutality, and then you let the cop take a knee with you, you let the cop shoot jays with you, you let the cop do the cha-cha slide with you that night. You know what I mean? Those type of images make it seem as if the problem isn't the police or policing, but that the problem is one individual officer or one bad apple in a bunch. And we got to get out of the bad apple model. We got to stop saying this is bad apple. It's not bad apples. It's right. it's the system. And we right. got to get rid of the system. Right. So, so what do the people say, like, to, you know, people who have family members and, you know, they they, they know that their family, they know that their own brother ain't racist. They know that their right. own brother is not a bad cop. What do, you, what, do you, what do you say to them, like, and they're taking the pictures, you know? This, this is what I say. It's, it's a, I use, people get real funny about the police. Let's use school as an example real quick. Mm. There's not a black person in America that wouldn't say public schools are fucked up, right? Right. So the schools are all fucked up. It doesn't mean your auntie that's a teacher is a bad teacher. It just means the school is fucked up. And so pointing out all the good teachers and all the people that work hard and do their best to teach doesn't doesn't change the fact that school is fucked up. So similarly, I know a lot of people who are good people. I got homies that that work for the police force. You know what I mean? I got got friends who work for the police force, family rather, that work for the police force. It's not that I don't know people who do their best every night against the odds but the system just like the schools just like other things is broken right. and when you take the picture it makes it seem again it's, it's what we call copaganda it makes yeah. it makes people think that the cops are not the problem that the, right. that the policing system isn't the problem and when you take the individual picture we can't tell the difference that one cop might save you that one cop might do might do his job that's what he's supposed to do right. but but the system is broken and we can't keep showing these say these individual special cops and make them seem like they're the norm because they're not and it's, it's not an attack on cops it's a critique of the system. Right. And even when you get to see, like, when, when you get to see, like, the riots and you see that there's people, like, that's, the police is stabbing the cars. The police is acting more like thugs than the rioters. Like, I'm sitting back and I'm like, what's, what's going on here? And then the crazy thing is the people not focusing on that. Um, uh, I just don't, I just, I, I, we have never been in these times. But what do you, what do you think about that? We're actually getting to see the police being thugs and then people denying it. People were like, well, you shouldn't have did a crime. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, he should, he shouldn't have had his knee on, on, on. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's the, first of all, mm-hmm. anybody who grew up in the hood knows what you see with the police right now is no different than what we've seen our whole lives. Right. I'm 42. Right. I'm 42 we, too, by the way. Right. Okay. We, we didn't have camera phones growing up. Right. We, we, we didn't have cameras, right? You won't walk around the hood with a camera. Right. So every time the police did shit, we, just didn't have, we didn't have evidence to prove it. And the right. problem in America is black people's witness doesn't count. Black people saying it happened doesn't mean that it happened. 
Mm. Rodney King, we watched Rodney King get beat. It didn't matter. We watched it, and it still didn't matter. The police were like, yeah, but if we hadn't beat him, he would have got up and fucked us up. So we had to do it. So in America, the jury believed it. So right. we, 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 our witness just doesn't count. So what does that mean? That means that um, the cameras and the evidence is, is, a, is a small slice of a fight to get America to see what we see. And so now America's watching the police beat people in New York City that didn't do nothing, chasing people down the street, knocking them off their bike. We've been saying that for years. Right. right, police don't go in the corner and get you off the corner asking you nicely. They don't write a, a strongly worded letter. Right, right. <laughs> they like, get the fuck off the corner. And if you don't get off, they start, they start swinging and it doesn't matter right. whether it's legal or not. And you're right, people will make excuses for police. They'll say, um, well, you know, if you weren't doing a crime, you, you, sh- you know, it doesn't matter. But everybody does crimes. Right. 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 We have a system designed to punish you for those crimes. Mm-hmm. If I give a counterfeit 20 to somebody, that's right. not a capital offense. That's I don't shouldn't get the death penalty for that. Right. And what Officer Chauvin did was he gave George Floyd the death penalty for a, for for a counterfeit bill. And that's what can never happen. That that's the actual problem. And now that America got to see it, they're like, oh my God, we can't believe this shit is happening. Right. But again, they make it sound like this is an exceptional case and this is outside the norm. It's not outside the norm. This is not that the police did something exceptional. It's that everyday police use police brutality and every once in a while their brutality goes even farther. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And somebody dies. But the brutality every day is the problem. They put their foot on somebody's neck right now. Right. They just might not die. Right. Um, and do you think the system, like why has there never been, I've seen something Farrakhan said, right? And Farrakhan said the crazy thing, he said, black people, we have never had a history of hurting white people, right? Yeah. Like, um, would what, 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 what the system change, like, had it been black officers, with the same amount of deaths, right? Had it been black officers doing this to white children or, you know what I mean, Jewish children, for, for instance? If America... When there's a school shooting, think about the school shooting. What's the first thing they say on the news? Oh my God, this shouldn't happen here. That shit shouldn't happen nowhere. Right. But 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 when it comes to white people, they say this shouldn't happen here, right? right. White kids dying. When a white woman goes missing on TV, right. the first thing they say is we got to find her, right? right? She's missing. Black women, when they go, they're not missing. They're just gone, right? We just say, look, Latasha's gone. We don't know what happened to her. Whereas the news will run for two, three, four, five, ten. We still talking about John Benet Ramsey from, from 96. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Because, wow. because a white woman missing is intolerable, right? Wow. John, I'll give you one quick historical note. John F. Kennedy walks through Harlem in 1960 holding up a black baby. And they wow. said, oh, that's a campaign stunt, right? He's just trying to make Adam Clayton Powell happy. You know, he's just trying to get cheap votes from liberals. You know, his brother Bobby walks through West Virginia, through Appalachia a few years later, holding a white baby. And he's hungry. His belly's bloated. Snot's coming out his nose. He's crying. We start our war on poverty. Mm-hmm. We don't have a threshold for white misery. And they try to make it sound like it's a good thing. Oh, black people, they're so resilient. Y'all so tough. I shouldn't have to be resilient. I shouldn't have to be tough. I shouldn't have to play through pain. But that's what they make us do. America doesn't want to see white people suffer. They are willing to see black people suffer all day. I my song, first off, welcome to the chat, man. Welcome to... What's uh, up, good brother? Uh, bro. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, this ain't drink chest, this is protest champs, because you know what? A lot of us, you know, my song, I'm speaking for myself, a lot of us, you know, we want to do more. 
Um, we don't necessarily know how to do more. You understand what I'm saying? That's why brothers like you on the front line has to be always respected, always have to be saluted. I seen you on live with, with Snoop Dogg. I seen the, uh, I believe he, he made a donation towards it. I think uh, Dream Camps, we want to do the same thing. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to talk to you on the front line because it was funny um, the other day, uh, I think I seen you in the, it was the Bronx protest, correct? Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because like people like Fat Joe, you think he's supposed to be so like successful and things like that. He called me for 20 minutes. was like, man, I wish I was there. How can we have something in the Bronx and I'm not be there? And I was just like, I was so happy like that people, like we, we care, like we care. Like one thing I want to say is, like I said earlier, I reiterated, a lot of us, we come from the same um, territories. We come from the same places. Um, but a lot of us don't know, you know what I'm saying? So that's why a person like you on the front line is, um, I, I started when I was talking to the, um, the bro, I was saying like, you know, a lot of us celebrities, you know, sometimes we, we make a bad decision because we, we want to speak on Black Lives Matter. We want to do that. But, you know, some of us are out of the loop. Let's just be clear. Some of us is out of the loop. So in order for us to maintain, I wanted to speak to a brother like you, you know what I mean? Well, you know, first of all, I want to say thank you for always uplifting the work I do, uplifting everything I do. Being gentle, you know what I'm saying, for that. And um, and second of all, it's it's so much. Like, it's so much that we can be doing different. Because every the thing about this movement is that it's so many different intersections. There's so many different ways that you can get involved. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you using your platform, mm-hmm. you don't have to be at the march. You know what I'm saying? The mm-hmm. fact that you, gonna, you give people like me and Mark Lamar Hill, who uh, has been one of the, the leading people about civil rights, you know, forever, a platform to talk about these things, to educate people, right. let them know what's going on. It's, that's a role that you play. You know, as far as, like, Fat Joe, like, I wish I would have had Joe numbers. I DM'd it to him, but right. unfortunately, I didn't have his phone number to call him and be like, I need you out here. Right. But, you know, everybody has a role. And, right. and, and, you know, as far as being on the front line, it just helps me. It just helps me when brothers like yourself, when the radio stations, you know, and all of these big platforms utilize their platform to amplify what we're saying. Like we, we actually have an action that I'm going to tell you brothers about later that I need y'all to, you know, because what, we, what we're saying is I had a, we was on a call with a lot of artists because everybody is right now, I think this moment has shifted the paradigm. It is, mm-hmm. It's not, it's no longer blindfolded like he was saying. They said, oh, this shouldn't happen here. I think this situation, I don't know if it was if it was the exact situation, I don't know if it was timing, I don't know if it was COVID-19, you being in your house, you dealing with trauma, stress. I don't know what it was. It was the combination of everything. But I know this shift, situation shifted everybody's minds. Right. The people who were telling me all lives matter yesterday was like, well, I really understand it now. They was calling them on my front phone crying. You know, there was there was so much going on. So it shifted the mindset of everybody. So in this, this moment right now, we see that the world understand that Black Lives Don't They have a, a block that they painted Black Lives Don't Matter. The crazy shit front, I see. Neighbors, my, my neighbors um, that used to, like, you know, support Trump and things like that, I see them now, and they're like, we got to get him out of here. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like <laughs> That's Whoa. what I was talking about. <laughs> Since when? Like, you know what I mean? I would avoid trying to speak politics with them because I've seen them with their hat. I've seen them sneaking around with their hat. You know what I mean? But then now they're seeing me, and they're stopping us. They're like, hey, man, we got to get him out of here. They're like, he's even pissing them off. Exactly. So you must live in a good ass neighborhood too. If you're na- you got Trump supporters <laughs> next door and shit, <laughs> well they're around, they're around, they're around. So let me ask you, right, right. <laughs> let me ask both of you brothers something. One thing that struck me was the fact that 
you know, Jay-Z being the, 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 the successful that he is, him taking the time out, calling the governor, and the governor actually expressing the point that saying he felt like Jay-Z treated him like a man, and then... Um, he called. Then, then that's when. The, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that when the, the the district attorney became that black guy, or the black guy was already on there? It, it, it was a it was a lot of pressure. So Jay Z definitely played a role in that. Uh, the state attorney general uh, Keith Ellison is now uh, overseeing that case. It was, but it wasn't just Jay Z. Because I, I, I shout out the whole for doing that. But it's also we don't want to ever lose sight of the activists on the ground right. that made this happen too, because they knew we were watching. And that's the thing. Just like with Amar Arbery, they knew we were watching. They saw the tape. They ain't give a fuck about the tape. Then they saw, we saw the tape and our reaction. They said, oh, we got to do something. Same thing here. Now they're like, oh, wait a minute. They saw George Floyd. They're in the streets. We got to change the prosecutor. And it shouldn't take that, but that's what it took. But having influential people like Jay-Z doing it as well, like, like my son said, like using the platform, using their platform and their reach to do something is key because now, you know, you got money behind it. You got celebrity behind it, which means the reach is wider. If Hope tells somebody to do something, people right. do it. Right. And then you got the pressure of people on the streets that are willing to tear shit down if they got to. They had no choice. It seemed like after that, the charges went up. I'm not, you know, I could be wrong in how, how I'm saying it. You know what I mean? But it seems like... The, yeah. the, the, it, the, and then the other three was actually uh, um, um, picked up too. Now, again, I'm not saying it was all Jay-Z neither, but I'm glad when it's like, you know, because... Hip hop is also a race to me too. Like you know what I'm saying? Like right, right. we rappers, like we are our own little fraternity. So, so I have to big up, you know, my song with his part. I have to big up Bum B and and, and Talib Kweli, everybody. And I just wanted to big, I wanted to big that up too. No, he deserved it. He deserved it, especially after all that heat he caught from the NFL shit. It's important to say, look, when he's doing something that I agree with, because I, I didn't agree with the NFL shit all the way, but right. with this, he's 100 percent on point. And when I was in Ferguson six years ago, people was getting bailed out. People right. was getting support. People was getting flown here, and that shit came from J and B. A lot of that, and they didn't sell it. They didn't promote it. They didn't put it in a newspaper. They just quietly did the support and did what celebrities, like you said earlier, need to do, which is sometimes move out the way and say, "Look, I don't need to be the face of this. I don't need to be the right. voice of this. Mm-hmm. I just need to support you in any way you need to be supported." That, that's what it was for me. And right. that, for me, that's that that happens with Jay a lot, you know. So, you know, I know a lot of people didn't agree with the NFL. I had. I had mixed understanding. I was like, let me see what happens. Let's just see where it goes. But I know firsthand a lot of stuff that Jay does. Like, and he doesn't say anything. Like, I know that until freedom, a lot of things that we've done, that they've been right, supported us financially, you know, gave us platforms to do a lot of things from the beginning. You know what right. I'm saying? So, and he never says anything about it. It's, I know before the governor's situation, you know, making sure that the lawyers get there, the look, paying for certain lawyers, doing so a lot of the activists that was on the ground in Minnesota that he was responsible for getting. So there's a lot of stuff that people don't know. And he doesn't even say nothing about it. Like you'll hear him because I know he talks to people I know and they be like, you know, I did all that. No, I don't say nothing, you know, and they cursed him out. You'll hear people like, yo, Jay needs to be doing more. Jay ain't doing this. And it's like, they don't got to go up there and scream, yo, what's going on? Right. You know, sometimes the unseen hand is the best hand to have. You know what I'm right. saying? So, you know, we, I'm glad that everybody's playing their part, man. I think at this moment, we are making shifts. They just changed laws in Minnesota. You know, they just repealed... Chokehold, right? They changed the chokehold law, right? Yeah, yeah. they repealed the 50A law in New York City. You know, where now they're going to have the um, officers information to the public you can actually go see they can't just look you up man you can look them up when they arrest you you know what i'm saying so it's so much different things you know the demands shifting they're about the budget cut take about a billion dollars from the new york city police department to put into 
different things inside of schools and community. And, you know, um, they took our summer youth. They didn't took the summer youth from New York. So, you know, that's not really good. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? The summer youth, you know, if, if you ain't got nothing to do in the summer outside. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so these are things that we, we really need to focus on, man. And I'm, I'm glad that the world is waking up. And I'm glad that for 14 straight days, they've been protesting. Oof. 14 straight days. Now, now let, I'm going to bounce around a little bit. Now, let's talk about Karenism, right? <laughs> let's talk about this, right? Because I heard the law is changing. It's going to be called Amy Cooper. Is that is that this woman's name that, that called with the dog? Yeah. Um, isn't that like weaponizing her? Isn't that like, you know, naming that law? Like, in her community and people who think like her, isn't that like going down like a legend? Yeah, look, she earned it. Like, look, <laughs> okay. You, you know how many laws are made from shit? for white people when they're the victims of shit, the Brady Bill for, for guns, guns, right? Oh, Megan's Law, right? Oh, shit, I didn't peep that. So but she got hold that victims. up. He's not a victim. Those That's are- what I'm saying. So now right. we, got all these, we got all these sympathetic laws to white people. Now she got to hold this L. Look, right. you called the police on a, on a brother for no reason, and we saw the whole thing. It was like a, a Scorsese movie. She was like, right. look, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not tying up this dog. And if you don't get away from me, and stop filming me. I'm gonna call the police. I'm gonna tell them you black. And basically, she was like, "You know what they're gonna do? Because you a nigga and I'm white." And he was like, "Do what you like." She, she did the shit, and then she went in a full Meryl Streep mode. She started. Uh-huh. Then she started screaming by the end, like like you would have thought a nigga He's was like, "Jump my dog!" Right? Come quick! I'm like, if I couldn't see the shit with my own eyes, I would have thought she was yeah. getting attacked. The brother was saying it still, so. I'm not for criminalizing everything and locking everybody up, but I will say that white people got to learn that they can't weaponize their whiteness against black people, and that's what's happening when it should go. You know what one thing was so scary about that video? Was it was like he had experience with that. Like, this wasn't his first time. (laughs) Right. He was like, he just pulled out his phone real fast. Like, he knew exactly what to do, and he's been been profiled like this before in that same part. And what, what fucked me up about it is he's a Harvard graduate, Right. And the nigga is in Central Park on Memorial Day bird watching. Bird. There's no safer Negro in America than the nigga bird watching <laughs> on Central Park. On, <laughs> said, I was birding. I don't know. I was just birding. <laughs> if you doing that and you still scared, that tell you how fucked up America is. And the fact that he knows to pull out the camera, Word. that tell you everything. What, what yeah, would have happened if he was smoking an L in the park? Yeah, he wasn't from the hood. The nigga like, y'all got to know what I'm saying. He was a nigga that was doing a Harvard graduate birding. Wow. I never even heard of birdie. <laughs> I didn't know that shit was a word. <laughs> I was a Listen, thing. I heard of birdie and I watched a, um, a movie called The Good Year. It was the good, or The Big Year or something like that with Jack Black. So I heard of birdie. I had no idea it's anywhere near New York City. So right. when, I didn't know. I didn't know this Red Robins and Woody Woodpackers in New York and Central Park. I had no idea. <laughs> that ain't for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy, man. So are you are you in New York um, right now, Mark? No, I got I got a spot in Brooklyn. Okay. And as soon as that COVID hit in March, I was I went back to Philly. I'm in my crib in Philly, man. I want to try and get that shit. Oh, New York too tight. I'm in Philly. I got space. <laughs> How about you, my son? Where you at? I just, I'm actually just got back to New York for like two days. I had I got back on um, Saturday because we had a big march Saturday in the city. Yesterday yeah. we did the Bronx march. And then yeah. yesterday I just kind of relaxed. So today I'm homeschooling with my kids. Oh, that's what's up. The, the reason why I ask is because I'm not so familiar what's going on with the James Dolan story. I know that he he publicly, I think he made a statement saying that he wasn't going to make a statement. 
which is oh, he told his not not made a statement. He he told his staff that he wasn't going to make a statement, and I think it pissed off a lot. Is it, are you guys you know James Dolan, the Knicks owner? Are you yeah, guys yeah. from? I, I mean, didn't hear about that. He he made what was this? Um, yeah, yo, you you not not familiar, Mark? I know, yeah. Okay, yeah. First of all, right. as a Philadelphian, right? Fuck all New York sports. I just gotta say that. <laughs> I just gotta put that out there. I didn't know. I didn't know you was going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, James, I I hate the Knicks for all kinds of reasons. Right. But I used to respect the Knicks. What James Dolan has done on every level yeah, is, is tear apart the team, tear about the culture, right. tear apart the culture, and the NBA. Mm-hmm. has a culture right now of resistance. People are speaking out. I'm talking to co- coaches, hit me up offline. Players hit me up offline like, yo, how can I support? How can I do this? James Dolan is from carrying Charles Oakley out of Madison Square Garden, getting him arrested, all of that shit. No respect. And this is just another example. You could just say, I support black lives. Saying black lives matter shouldn't be controversial. Right. That's all you got to say. Black lives matter. I support the resistance. I support the movement. I want justice. You can say some basic shit like, I support justice. The fact that he won't, it's not about his personal opinion. It's a signal to certain kinds of other people, right? When you say, I'm not going to make a statement, you're signaling to the, those white people with them red hats on right. that, that, that you still got their back or you, you at least still respect their uh, perspective. And that's the problem. And he's so worried about them that he's going to alienate the players. And, 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 and sports shit aside for a minute, that's just not how you build community. That's not how you manage a team. But even at, from the NBA level, Another reason why people don't want to go to the Knicks is because of the ownership, because you got a league that's all black right. and owners, some owners that won't stand up. And the NFL is 10 times worse than that. You got a league that's 70, 80 percent black and the owners won't stand with them. That's the problem. All right. What, 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 did you see the, um, the, the football like mixtape thing that the football players did? And then all of a sudden after that, um, Roger Cadell. Um, actually said I, it was almost like he was trying to admit that he was wrong but I, I thought Roger Goodell was a, a bit sincere how did you guys feel when you seen Roger Goodell I think for me you know it's just like the whole thing with Jordan people were like oh Jordan never said nothing for years and now he's saying something what, you know he's just jumping in it's like what do we want is, is our goal to bring people around are we trying to get the people that don't get it to get it to say okay I made a mistake I've done this right like, what is it our goal? So, for me, Roger Goodell, maybe y'all say it's too little, too late, but we are at a moment that's shifting the paradigm. Like I said yesterday, three people that I know that were saying All Lives Matter called me crying, talking about, man, I, I get it now. Black Lives Matter. My my, my wife's um sister's husband, who's a white guy, and he's a good friend of mine. Like, he's never been vocal about any of these things. He's been on the phone crying. He's calling her crying like, yo, we got to do more about this. And what do we have to do? What, how can I use my privilege? I'm, I'm having conversations with people. They unfollowing their friends on Instagram. They're saying negative stuff. Like, it's, it's, there's a shift. So for me, Roger Goodell, is, he's starting to come around, I think. And that's why I, I didn't want to rush to the situation with Jay. I, don't, I have enough respect for Jay that he's not going to constantly deal and sit in the face with somebody that he he's not building with, that he don't see some level of something that, all right, this man could be pushed here to where it's going to get some level of respect. I didn't think he was just going to completely compromise his legacy to sit at the table with a nigga that wasn't going to come around at all. So I believe that these are conversations he's probably been having with him. Like, yo, you got to understand what's going on. And it, and it, starts, to, it starts to work. You know, just like me, me being around... Um, Robert Kraft and all these dudes, and, and, and their minds, they just starting to change. They didn't understand certain things. So we don't know where his heart is. That's for him to tell. But I'm just saying it is a, it's a step in the right direction, man. Because when he yeah. makes that statement, he creates, a, he creates the culture to change inside the NFL. 
Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I I, I feel that. And I'll take that with Jay. Because I think Jay has good intention and Jay has shown at least that he's willing to put his money where his mouth is and fight for us. So I, I give I would give Jay the benefit of the doubt more than I would Roger Goodell. Right. I think Jay understands though. I think you're right. Jay understands the power, his power in that room. But like he said, I show you how to move in a room full of vultures. They still vultures. Right. And their intention is never to do anything but make money. And I, I looked at the Goodell statement, I looked at it like 10 times. And it, it's like some some like some mind trick they do on you, right? Because the statement is, the statement was good for business because the league is known as being racist. So they had to say something. So it's good for business. But he didn't actually say anything. I'm going to read you just a little part of this shit, right? Okay. Um, he said, wait, do I got the joint in front of me? Uh, oh, I don't. But he's, I, I pulled up the wrong joint. But basically, if you, if, you, if, you look at the, if you look at the statement, he didn't actually say anything about, he didn't use the word violence. He didn't use the word race. He said, you know, I'm sorry for the unfortunate deaths of Amar Arbery. He didn't say they got killed. He didn't say the word police. He didn't say the word race. He didn't say the word racism. He didn't say the word white supremacy. So if you read this statement, you could have thought Amar Arbery and George Floyd slipped on a banana pill or got hit by a truck. He didn't say murder. I didn't peep that. He didn't say murder. He didn't say kill. He didn't even say how they died. He didn't say. So he made the statement, which I agree with my son. Like, that's that's a hell of a piece of progress, right? Because 10 years ago, they wouldn't have said shit. Right. But and that pressure helps, so we got to keep the pressure on them. But I, it's such a low bar now. It's like, yo, just they just acknowledge it. They basically said something happened. It was bad. We're sorry. We'll do more. Right? They didn't say what, who, what, where, why. They didn't say how they gonna make it better. And they damn sure ain't try to uh, rehire Colin Kaepernick. So for me, until the NFL does more, it seems to me like an empty gesture. Right. I and, think I think I, I get you because it's people like Popovich. Who are, who are very, you get it. Like, he gets it. Yes. He calls it out. He don't play no games. It's real It's real simple for him. You know what I'm saying? It's just, for me, I understand that people move at a different pace, man. It's just like, it's like being in the streets, right? And being in the hood, right? So when I go through and I deal with certain kids and people be tearing them up and all that, I understand the process it's going to take for them to get a certain place. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Like, these people, you, like, you know, most of, especially these billionaires, they are etched in racism so much that they can't even identify with it. So when you actually, right. so when they actually say something like this, you realize that you click something. So now, okay, I got you. Now, now I can just keep feeding you a little more. And that's a process. Like, I understand, this, this man, his whole legacy and 
empire and everything was built on white supremacy. Like they they so far they got influ they got influenza. You right. know, and like they kill people and they plead influenza. Like right, they right, don't right. that that they thought nothing was gonna happen to them. Like this is the mindset most of them have. So when they start coming around a little bit, I don't I, I take it with a grain of salt, but I understand the progress and I understand the moment that we're in. Because you know why I liked it with um uh the the, uh, um, the NBA when um we found out about Donald Sterling. You know what I'm saying? And when it was when it was when it was like um I think that was like the first mark where we was like, wow, people are starting to listen, people are starting to get it that you know we Although I don't look at them as they work for them, even though they do kind of work for them. I hate when they call the guy the owner, but I mean, it's obviously this is what it is. Um, but when they was acted and they acted, I think his name Adam. I forgot. I don't, what's Adam Silver. Adam Silver. I think he did. I think he did an excellent job by seeing how uncomfortable not just the players was, but the fans and everybody. And then it was about. I think it was almost uh, also who he talked about. Like I didn't know anybody had beef with Magic Johnson. Like you know what I'm saying? Like so. <laughs> like, like I was like for real, Magic. Right. Right. Like, I, knew, I knew magic enemies that was like word like you know, like him like you know what I mean so like what did you think about that you think that that that, that, hand, that was handled that that's how you do it it's again it's like the system doesn't work and you have to leverage your power to make it work or to or to break it down the NBA player said look we had enough Donald Sterling was doing that shit for years he used to take women and his and friends into the NBA locker room into the shower and. Yeah. And show him the players that like they was animals at the zoo. Yeah, I saw, I saw the, I saw the blackboard documentary. Right, wild. <laughs> that's a wild that. ass shit. Bird, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it was years of that. And he was, he was racist in his private life in terms of, uh, in terms of real estate and housing, just like Donald Trump was. So there's a whole legacy of him being racist. It took decades for them to say enough. But where the players had the power was they could walk off the court. They can say none of this works without us. You just got to not be scared of losing a check. You got to be not scared of, of fighting. If you do that, you can win. They got them the fuck up out of here. And they did it quick. What, what happens if the NBA, you know, they're trying to uh, uh, reconvene the, se the season. They want to go to Orlando, uh, Disney World. What happens if all the NBA players, that's, because everyone's not going, right? These, this, you know, the Knicks is not even thought of, right? You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> everyone's not going, right? But what happens if these athletes really got together and said, you know what, until we get rid of this racist rhetoric, until we get, you know, our people to stand with us, we're not playing. What would happen to the system? It would shut down. It would. It would. It would for, this is what I'm trying to say. If we understood our power, that, LeBron, Chris Paul, all of them got together and said, "All the black players unite," and it's going to make the white brothers unite anyway because they're they're the minority there. What would happen? You say, say, "I'm sorry to cut you off." Yeah. And no, the NBA would be finished, or they would have to completely reconstruct to fit whatever their needs are. It's just like we were saying. People were saying about the HBCUs, like if the black players start saying, "Yo, go to the HBCUs," we would completely shift. The, the, the whole economic system. You understand? But we, we don't utilize our power because we've been taught we don't have it. That's the, the right. fastest way not to utilize your power is to think you don't have it. And that's what's happened with us. Like, we don't sit there and realize, I have conversations with people all the time, you know, about, yo, you got power. They go, yo, I can't. They said, who's they? Like, you, you, you have to, you have to, you understand the power you are. I say this all the time. If we had LeBron, if we had Oprah, if we had probably 10 of the, the most powerful black people in the world that sat at one table and decided, yo, we're going to make, this is this is how it's going. They Because we dictate culture, period. Yeah. Like, we dictate everything culturally. We did So they, they control the media, but we control the culture. And once you control the culture, you can take the media. 
Because the media, the culture, the media is built on the culture. So once you say, yo, this is where we going, and we all left Instagram, ten top of them say, yo, we going, all of us is going over here. And, we, and you own that? It's going to shift. We yeah. just don't understand that, and, and we've never utilized that power. We've never done that. You know, so if, if they if they decided, they could run the NBA. Literally run the NBA. The, the, yeah. the owners don't have nothing. It's just like what's happening I think, I think LeBron is that smart to do it. Like, like as opposed yeah. to... I think other athletes in the past was that smart as well, but I think LeBron is that smart, that rich, and that he's that articulate. Like with him and Chris Paul, there's certain people who understand what's going on. There's certain people who 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 understand. You know what I mean? Like as yeah. opposed to like you know, and, and they can do it articulate. It can be an NBA takeover without it being like a takeover where it's hostile. I think they would really come and make change and get people that is you know even accused of being racist the fuck out of there so everyone can play the game. You know what I mean? Because just even that word owner always bothered me. Like, right. And the NBA, that's why the NBA moved to a new word, right? Because they were like, we, we we not, they use, I think it's governors now. They, they don't, they don't oh, let, word. yeah. Yeah. Because they was like, this ownership ain't working. The, the NFL's still with it, but the NBA said no. But the problem in the past has been, there's always been courageous voices that stood up and said, this shit is wrong. But you got to be in a position of power. That's why LeBron is so important because LeBron is the best player in the world. Yes. He's the most influential player in the world. He's the richest dude in the league. He could walk away tomorrow and never need another dollar and he's still standing up. Craig Hodges did the same shit in 94. The problem is Craig Hodges was on the Bulls and Craig went up to Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson before the NBA Finals and said, look, uh, 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 we we need more owners, black owners, we need more black players. Uh, who are in control of their destiny. We need, we need to create our own shit. And what happened was, Michael Jordan and Magic was like, nah, we're not ready for that yet. Craig Hodges went to the White House after, the, after they won the NBA championship, gave George Bush a letter saying, here's what's wrong with black America, here's what you need to do to fix it. They got, he went up there with a dashiki on, best NBA, shooter in the NBA, was a, the, the, the reigning three-point champion. They got him out of there. He ain't played another game in the NBA again. If Michael Jordan does that, they can't get rid of Michael Jordan, but they can get rid of Craig Hodges. They can get rid of Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. So the key is for the best players in the league to stand strong and stand tall, and then the other players will come with them. Whatever LeBron do, the rest going to do. And that's why I respect LeBron for standing up so much. Welcome, Bumby. Welcome, Bumby. Legend. What up, my son? How you doing, King? I'm good, man. I'm just now, you know, I left the service about an hour ago. My granddaughter broke a tube, so we had to go and get her and take her to the to the dentist. But uh, man, like, we should all go home the way they sent that boy home today, like for mm. real. They just took the casket out out of the out of the hearse and put it in the horse drawn carriage, and they taking him horse drawn carriage. Um, to the to his final resting place. Wow. Yeah. That's right, because the brother was from Houston, correct? Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. Wow. And what, what kind board. of stuff was they saying at the service? Oh man, like a, unity, you know what I'm saying? Justice. Um, you know, just really here's the thing, right? We spent over the last two weeks talking about George Floyd's death, right? Today they talked about his life. Mm. That was a beautiful thing. You know, they had his friends, they had his family, they had people from from his hood, from Third Ward to CUNY Homes. And they were just lifting him up, man. You know what I'm saying? Giving him his proper respects, remembering him in a real way as a human being, not like a, a video clip on TV, you know? Um, but definitely people asking for justice, you know, asking for police reform. The mayor announced 
that he was signing an executive order to outlaw the chokehold in the city of Houston, um, to give fair warning before discharging their firearm, just the whole way of that officers are allowed to engage in the city of Houston. Um, a couple of different things. You know, the Congressional Black Caucus attended, led by uh, Congresswoman Bass, um, Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, state rep, um, Congressman Al Green, another state rep, uh, Joe Biden, gave a very, very heartfelt uh, message via video. He was actually in town and met with the family yesterday, but uh, he didn't want to attend the funeral to draw too much attention away from what was going on. Um, but one of the, the best speakers today, I have to say, was uh, there was a white pastor there from um, South Main Baptist. Yeah, it was a pastor of South Main Baptist Church in Houston, basically saying that, you know, white churches that profess to be houses of God, you know, and claim to love all God's children got to do a better job when it comes to their relations with black people and helping black people stand for their, for their causes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was very, very happy to hear that, you know? And he was like, you know, he wanted to be, he said on the stage, he's like, I wonder if, if I'm supposed to say something, just shut up and listen. And I'm glad y'all let a white man speak today. But he was very, you know, he was very, very real about, you know, white privilege and white accountability right now and standing with everybody, especially if you're a white person that claims to be a Christian and, you know, all Christians are children of God and you're supposed to, you claim to love all of God's children, then why aren't you doing the right thing and standing with black people right now, you know? All right. right. That's what we need white people to do right there. Mm. I agree. Yeah, sorry about that, y'all. I apologize. All good. So, Bun, um... I just yes. seen footage of, uh, I believe it's another police killing out in Houston this time. And they were saying the same exact thing. You know, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Yeah, new footage uh, of an arrest that um, the footage was just released. And it's, it's insane, man. Like, you know, we should, we're not supposed to keep hearing this, the same thing, right? right? It's these levels of engagement, the levels of escalation that police officers have been able to have with people of color in this country with impunity. You know, my thing is, you know, when we do this police reform, when we ask for these bills, I would ask for stiffer penalties for police that commit crimes while in duty and in uniform. You know, police are allowed a certain level of authority, right? right. They're allowed to patrol your streets with authority. They're allowed to carry a handgun in the streets of America. And because of that, we should hold them even more accountable. Like, we regular citizens. We don't get the level of authority that police get. So when we commit an assault, right, we get X amount of time. My son, I know you feel me on this. That's, that's, that's my whole point. That's been my whole point. You know what I'm saying? Like, we should... We're not supposed to get the same... We don't have the same level of authority that police have. We're not held to the same standards in our communities as police are. So when they violate our trust and break the law while wearing the uniform, they should be held to stiffer penalties. And I think that if, you know, if they knew the kind of time they was looking at, they probably think twice about some of the shit that they doing, you know? Um, I also see certain cities in America have third-party activation of the body cam. I think every police department in America should have third-party activation. I think as soon as um, dispatch puts out a call and an officer responds to that call, that office camera, officer's camera should immediately be turned on. The minute he tells dispatch he's going out on that call, he shouldn't have 
the, the, he shouldn't have the say as to whether or not, or if all, that his camera is on. That shit should be automatic. Take it out of the police's hand. You about, know what I'm saying? How about in Arizona? Crazy. In Arizona, you don't, they, you don't get to turn off the, the traffic. Yeah, we don't get to turn off security cameras if, if, yeah. when we do nothing nowhere. No, <laughs> right. they need to be under the same scrutiny, if not more scrutiny. That's right. In America. You know what I'm saying? There just needs to be a totally different level of accountability, period. And what you guys think about Arizona, where they're making it illegal or they're actually charging people for, like, you know, if you if you, if you you film the, the, the police? Isn't that, like, that's like, uh, that's like, it's damn near saying you can hang somebody, right? Well, well, that, that, that's, that's the problem, right? The police are resisting accountability at all times. That's why a lot of people didn't like the body cameras. They, they wanted the police to be seen, but they were worried that, one, that would just dump more money into police departments when, we, when we're trying to defund them, and that the police would just turn the cameras off strategically when they wanted to. But you got, if you're going to have the camera, it got to be on at all times. And people should be able to film the police. We have cop watch programs in New York. We have cop watch programs in Philly designed to make sure that the police get surveilled just as much as they surveil us. And the fact that they're making it illegal tells you that the police are scared right now. The police are running scared because they don't want to be accountable. When we started marching in 2014, uh, one of the things we talked about was civilian review boards. The police should not be policing themselves. We talked about cameras. The police should be should be filmed at all times through body cameras and through outside entities. And the police have resisted that. They'll they'll give you they'll give they'll give up three officers and get get them charged like they did in Minnesota. They'll give up an officer every once in a while. But what they'll never give up. Is account is is is, a, is their ability to be autonomous, their ability to govern themselves, and their ability to to watch and, and judge themselves. I mean, think about how crazy it is for the police to be able to do their own internal investigations of police brutality. That that's like if if if, you, if your girl accused you of cheating and you say, no, 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 I can prove I didn't. Just ask my homie, right? It's like, of course, what, what are you gonna say? Right. It's the same thing. The police investigate themselves. When you file a complaint in Philadelphia, for example, against the police, the first thing the police do is they take your story. Then they show your story to the officer. They let the officer read your story. And then after the officer reads your story, the officer can then respond to what you said. So he can just read your, your, what you said and write something against you. This is what happened to me in Philly when I filed a complaint 10 years ago. So it's the same thing. So we need to get rid of laws that make it illegal to film cops. We need to get rid of laws that, that, allow, the, that, that allow the police not to, not to keep the surveillance cameras on at all times. And we need to build civilian oversight of police in every single city around America. There should be no city where outside board of citizens doesn't get to judge police when they, when they go outside the line. But Mark, Mark, we got to give those we got to give those independent community review boards subpoena power. Yes, that's the key. That's the key thing about that, right? Like Word. they need to be able to have subpoena power so that they can request videos, they can request texts, emails, and everything that, that goes with the case, so that they can say, okay, like think of the Russia poll, right? Like when Adam Schiff and everybody went in and they reviewed the evidence, they were like, look, I just left out of this meeting. I saw the texts, I saw the emails, I listened to phone calls. It was some fuck shit going on. Excuse me, Taylor, I'm sorry. It was it was some mess going on. I got my grandbaby in the car. <laughs> oh, my. Oh my. You know what I'm saying? But not, like something wrong happened and we need to investigate this. We need to bring charges and we need the people to be held accountable. You know what I'm saying? If the, what's going on in Tucson right now is, is simply a reflection of the people that they elected to go in because that was a city council vote. That make that outlaw police. What does that say to black people? What does that say to black people? That says don't go to Tucson. That's a word. 
Don't go to Tucson. That's what, that's what it tell me. Don't go to Tucson. Because if the cops doing something to me, ain't gonna be no proof. And look, I'm in I'm in Houston, right? So like like with these Karens that call in and say you, black. Did you have an encounter with Karen? You had an encounter with Karen, right? You had an encounter with a Karen. You yeah, your- yeah. At Waterbury, we had a problem with a Karen. You know yep. what I'm saying? Word. And so here's what here's what I'm finding out, right? From lawyers that I've talked. Hold on. Sorry about that. No from, from attorneys that I've talked to, in a court of law, those those phone calls are admissible, right? So it's called it's called hysterical something. I can't. I, the name is missing. Is is I'm, I'm missing the name right now. But literally, the, a person makes a phone call nine one one, right? Hysterical and frantic. Oh my God, this black man is doing something to me. This black man is is attacking me. He's threatening me. The police come, they arrest you. They give you a case. You go to court. That phone call is admissible. And that becomes the only record of any evidence that gets put into your case. Wow. So just imagine how many of these Karens have already locked up people in America. Wow. Just based on phone call. Like Emmett Till died from a Karen. Let's not remember. Word, word. You know what I'm saying? Who on her deathbed recanted everything. But mm-hmm. Emmett been dead. You got to live a full life. Right. So what do we do? So, and, and then when you look... I watched it. Did you see what happened in Buffalo when they pushed the old man to the ground? He yes, 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 yes. And, and Trump's and, tweet? And, and Trump's tweet is another thing. Okay. But just to see that the, the officers that came out, the 200 officers that were waiting for that charge for this, that were clapping for them. Like, this shows you the mind state. Like, how did you look and watch them? And it happened in Philly, too. It happened in Philly, too. The guy got charged and they clapped for him. Yep. Yep. When you, you kind of understand the mind state, like, these people are, are comfortable. Like, this, I was so hurt watching that old man hit the ground and watching blood leaking out his head, and they just let that man lay there. Like, that, that was so, like, it's not, they, but they have a level of inhumanity within the, the police system and structure that I can't even identify with. Like, I can't even identify with that level of humanity, inhumanity that they have right now. Because they really think that that shit is okay. And that's why we need to abolish the police. That's why I'm I'm past reforming the police. We need to get rid of the police. I've been a prison abolitionist, a police abolitionist for a long time. And there was a moment when I would say that and people would look at me like I was crazy. Now I think people realize that policing is the problem. Our long-term vision has to be to live in communities without police. And people say, what would that look like? It looks like the suburbs. It looks like every neighborhood outside of the hood. It's possible to have a world without police. What that means is we need to def- take the money that we put in, in police forces and invest in, in the Exactly. Because half the shit police come out for, we don't need them for. Right? When, 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 you get, when your people get a drug overdose, you don't need the police there. Right? You need a doctor. Right? When, when, when there's somebody having an a, a, a argument on the street that's not physical, you need conflict resolution. You don't need the police. When, when somebody's drunk and passed out at night, you don't need the police. When a kid, you know, there's so many things. When a kid cuts school, you don't need the police. When somebody getting a fight in school, you don't need the police. There's all these things that we use the police for that we don't need. So let's take that money out of the police and put it to people who actually have skills like psychology. I mean, specific skills like psychologists, doctors, social workers. Um, if you if we do that, then we won't have so many instances. Half the time, black people don't call the police. It's not because we don't need help. It's because we know that whatever the police are going to do when they get there is worse than the, than, than the thing we're dealing with in that moment. So you're like, fuck it. I just, I just deal with it myself. So, Mark. Yeah. You know, let me just play devil's advocate right now. There's no level of police reform that you would be comfortable with right now. I'm comfortable with reform as long as it doesn't 
operate against the idea that policing is the problem. So, for example, I'm okay with a body... I'm not against the body camera per se. I'm just, I just don't like the fact that the money that goes into body cameras isn't really being used for body cameras. It's being used to, 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 to support the, the, uh, the police more broadly. But yes, I'm for all kinds... Like, a civilian review board is... Uh, um, is a reform, but it's a reform that still continues to frame police as the problem. I'm okay with, um, what I'm not okay with is, is giving programs with, with like police and community to make us think that if, if the police just knew us better, if they were just nicer, that that would solve the problem. So same thing with prison reform. I'm not against prison reforms. Like for example, giving people condoms in prison is something that makes prison safer. Giving people, um, getting rid of uh, cash bail makes prisons, make, makes, makes life better for folk because they not as we decarcerate. But I don't want any kind of reform that makes us think that the current system is savable. That's all I'm saying. So yeah, I'm with reform, just not reform that make us think the system as it is can, can sustain itself. All right, now here's a big problem that I have right now. Like as I get deeper into under these, understanding these kind of interactions and the lack of uh, punishment or the lack of accountability, for everything, the, the, and my son can probably speak to this, more and more and more I hear about the power of police union, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I want to reform, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know if, you know, I understand police that. Police unity or police union? union. union. Mm-hmm. Police union, okay. okay. Yeah, police union, right? Okay. I understand the more that I talk about this, you know, I keep hearing about how strong the police union lobby is and how much political power that they hold. I have a friend here in Houston, He's a state senator. Um, he tried to put a bill on the floor in 2011 that addressed everything that we're trying to have addressed now. And it didn't even make it out of committee, right? Like, it, it was something that didn't even make... It didn't even make it to the floor of, of the state senate, right? And, um, and at the state capitol. It never even became something that went to a vote. And so, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do we offset the power of the police union? Like... Should we have a lobbying group um, that throws money around politically to combat the power that the police union has with elected officials as well? Or do we ask for regulation of police unions in America? You know. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024 and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time. We hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We, we, we need something different from me. The bottom line to me is that what they've, they've created a structure that is pretty much untouchable. They made laws that you, that pretty much, they govern themselves, they, you can't hold them accountable, and they're not going to hold themselves accountable. 
You know, we've created something. We have something inside New York, and it's a, in a lot of different states. I don't know if y'all have it out there in Houston, but we have something called the crisis management system in which a lot of people from our community, we got ex-gang people, we got people who came home from prison, we got people who are respected credible messages within the community who, who conflict resolute. We're, they're actually the ones stopping the violence inside. The New York Police Department is not stopping any violence. They're actually creating more violence than they're stopping. Like, you know, we have three different organizations that I work with firsthand. Um, we have um, GMAX, we have um, Man Up, and we have Life Camp. Erica Ford, Shan Duke McFadden, and A.T. Mitchell. They were, A.T. Mitchell and Erica Ford were pretty much like the architects of the crisis management inside New York State. And what they did was brothers who, who were formerly incarcerated that were in gangs, they came home and they became the people that was had more credible messaging and who had more respect in the communities than any police officer had. So they knew the, the temperature of the community, what was going on. They knew who was beefing before it started. They they had respect for the, the dudes, had respect for them. So they walking in the hood, finding out, yo, such and such and I'm about to have beef. So they stopping the beef before it happened. They not just coming, arresting and throwing people in prison. So that's, for me, is a way better structure than the police. Because the police are getting coming to them to get the information. The police are trying to figure out how they doing it. They got in one place in Brownsville that I know was one of the, the, the highest um, murder capitals. They haven't had a, 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 a killing in about, I think they had about two, three years in this in, in this catchment. You know what I'm saying? So th- these are things that I know are possible. So the, that's why I don't believe the police. We don't really need the police. You know, the police, there should be some structure that when it gets to a, a certain point where it's passed, you know what we could do within the hood, then they come. But just like he said, just coming to the hood because somebody had a fight or because the dog is in the tree or just patrolling our neighborhoods, like we don't we don't need that. Exactly. Why, why don't and nobody you, say never say fuck the fire department or fuck the ambulance? Because they only come when it's a fire and they put right. that fire. They, and they do one job. Exactly. Right. They they not heightened and, and creating more drama inside the community. Imagine if the fire department came and just started setting other shit on fire. They put your house fire out and just set your car on fire or, or punch your brother in the face. Like, you'd be like, fuck the fire department, too. <laughs> but, but, but Bun made an important point about the police union, and, and I think you're right. I mean, there's the question of getting the muscle to get, the political muscle to get rid of police unions, and there's the question of do we regulate it? But the problem is regulating the police union it is challenging for the same reason that the first thing is challenging because to, to create laws to regulate the police union, you got to fight against the police union lobbies in the city. So ultimately, to me, the, the, the thing we need to do is expand our voting base, right? Black people vote, but we need to we need to be very articulate about what we're voting for. We need to expand the number of people that vote, and we need to be able to overpower the police union vote because right now. There's a lot of mayors, including the mayor of Minneapolis, that said, look, I, I'm not going to, I can't say that I want to defund uh, police. Because and even though he mean, what does that mean exactly when they say and defund the police? Meaning they, what? They mean take the money that's going currently into the police and put it in other areas. Because a lot of people feel like that means that all, we just going to fire all the police and suddenly, you know, your, your grandmama get knocked in the head and ain't nobody to call, right? That's not it. The idea is that we take the funds that are going out of the police into the police and put them into other areas where they could be used. Because right now, even the police themselves are being stretched really thin in terms of what, they ha- what they're what they asked to do. They got to get the cat out the tree. They got to uh, resolve a fight. They I gotta- remember they, they did that in Camden, New Jersey. In Camden, yes. New Jersey. 
they defunded the police. And, yes. Okay. Right. And and I, and I go. I live in Philly, so I'm I'm ten minutes from Camden. What was the result of, of that? Murders went down, robberies went down, uh, arrests went down. The one thing that did go up, though, and this is interesting, and I talk about this in my book. I have a book called Nobody, which looks at this in Ferguson, is the number of tickets for dumb shit went up. So the number of tickets for people not wearing bicycle helmets went up by four. You know why? Because the police ain't got shit else to do. (laughs) So part of what we got to do... Is make the, is not turn the police into tax collectors for the city, but, that, but that's why you defund and that's why you then reduce the police force slowly because you don't need them as much. That's the point. We gotta imagine a world where we don't need police anymore, and that's why Bun's point is, is important about the, you know our reforms acceptable. Yes, they are as long as they continue to keep at the end as our goal a world where police are not necessary and where we understand that right now policing is the problem. It's not a solution to our problem. It is the problem. Necessary because poverty is violent. So if you if you eliminate poverty, if you if you eliminate conditions inside the communities, like he said, the suburbs, there's nobody in the suburbs because there's no reason for crime to be committed. You know right. what I'm saying? So, <laughs> right. Exactly. So if you eliminate the reason for crime to be committed and you put these monies into the communities, you make sure people have jobs, you, make, you don't cut some of you and then say, you know, oh, we need the police. Of course, you 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 give them nothing else. They, they this is how they survive. Do some of you you buy these little sneakers for the summer? They're hanging out like you. You take out all of the programs. There's no sports this summer. Nobody's playing. So what is what do you think is going to happen in these communities? You know, so it doesn't make sense. So we got to we got to create a system. We got to create a structure that eliminates the reason for the police, and then we don't need the police. Exactly. And we got to inform people about what these budgets are for, right? Like when when, it, when we when we talk about defunding the police, I give you a perfect example. You watch TV, you see the police throw tear gas, you see the police throw pepper spray, you see the police shoot rubber bullets, right? Like we pay for that. Word. That comes out of the city city budget. Now there's no other use for tear gas, pepper spray, rubber bullets, riot gear, shields. There's no other use for that except against the citizens. There's no other scenario. Like if you somebody robbing a bank, they ain't throwing tear gas at them. They're not shooting rubber bullets. That's for engagement with the citizens of the city. Why would citizens pay for the police to throw that shit and use that shit against them? Right. Well, most people don't really understand that. Like I will vote. Um, there's a billion dollar budget for the police on the table in Houston. Jeez. Right. Our vote comes up tomorrow. And so we've been trying to inform people about it to contact their Congress people and at least say, look, let's 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 put the vote off right now. Like, we got a lot of other things going on, and they're basically going to use this moment where we're out worried about George Floyd and police brutality to basically give the police another billion dollars while we're looking to the left. They're going to break bread with them on the right. And so they're, look, they're trying to have a moratorium on, on this budget spending until the public can be more aware of what they're spending the money on. You know what I'm saying? And so... And so that's the thing. When, when, when Mark talks about voting and, and broadening the scope of, of the vote, and that comes with information and education, right. you know? And so everybody I talk to, when they like, man, voting don't mean nothing. Voting ain't going to change shit. I say, look, you got a partner. Like, let's say your homeboy catch a case. My son, I know you know what I'm talking about. Your homeboy catch a case, right? You be like, damn, that's fucked up. Um, what court you in? Like, what, what court you got to go to? They tell you the court. Oh, you got judge so-and-so, nigga. You finna ride. Like, like he finna lay the hammer on you. Yeah. Like that, you know, they're, they're a judge who are inf- judges in America that are infamous 
for excessive sentencing when it comes to people of color. That's right. Now, judges an appointed, uh, uh, you know, that's an appointed position in cities. Specific judges in certain districts, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a voters thing. So if you want to change the way you and your homies are getting prosecuted, because obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're done as soon as you walk mm-hmm. in, the, in the courtroom with them dreads and some tattoos, it's, it's over for you. He's going to throw the whole book. He's going to throw the library at you. Not yeah. just the book. He's going to throw the whole library at your ass. So that's why you got to vote. You got to vote them kind of dudes out. Of all of us. Hey, hey, Mr. Kwali. What up? Hey, what's up? What up, Mark? My son, Nori, was good. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So, um, look, look. Um, I, I, I was waiting for this question for Kwali, right? I was waiting for this. I promise, I promise. I wanted to ask all y'all all together, right? All of us, we're all involved with this. We're all black. And we all, you know, they say black people, we forgive people too much, right? But me, on this situation, I'm ready to invite the brother back to the barbecue and make, even make him a plate of potato salad. <laughs> I'm talking about Kanye West. <laughs> he touched me. He touched me when I seen him um, um, protest with the with 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 the not the money part. The money part is like that's that's whatever, right? That's great. That's great. I, I respect that. I love that too. But I, it feels like he's he's trying to come back. I, I, I I'm looking from the outside in, but it feels like he's trying to come back. I'll start with you, Quali. What you did? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, um, shout out to 88 Keys. I had a. Uh... I had a I had a meeting with Kanye. I hung out with Kanye all day a few months ago, a couple of months ago. I think maybe January, February. Um, 88 Keys and me and Kanye went out to dinner, and you know, I mean, went out to breakfast. We talked a bunch, and he said some things to me that led me to believe that he might be back to reality. He um he talked about how he was around the wrong people. He talked about how he was listening to the wrong people who were giving him like GOP talking points. He talked about how. He understood that aligning himself with Candace Owens was a mistake. Um, he didn't go as far in that conversation to say he wasn't down with Trump no more. But the things that he said, um, you know, led me to believe that maybe he was on that path. And, you know, that's I, I've already spoken out publicly, privately. You know, I've used a firm hand. I've used the the, the, the the try to get the try to get the fly with molasses. I've done everything I could. I've already said what I can to Kanye about Trump. So he's a grown man. I don't. I don't feel like it's my place to tell him not to like Trump more than I've already done it. But I was. I was hopeful. Um, and then a couple months after he said those things to me, he went back in the press and was bigging Trump up again. So I was like, okay, maybe he's still confused. But I will say, as far as his recent um, things, people come to me and say, why doesn't Kanye speak out? And the problem is, and Mark, you know this very well. There's a lot of artists and celebrities that speak out and don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, so. I started this conversation off with that speech. I said, "Listen, yeah, I like you know. I know I, I live in a. I don't live in a bubble, bubble, but I live in a certain bubble. So I must think some of the smartest brothers I know. That's why I hints all right. you brothers in here on him with me. Go ahead, right. go ahead. No, but that's that's what it is. I mean, I, wh- why would I want to hear Kanye's opinion on what's going on? Like, even even if only thing I want to hear Kanye talk about is Yeezys and samples at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, Dave Chappelle said, um, they, they, they said the reporter said, "Let's think with Ja Rule." Thing. Yeah, yeah, with Ja Rule. I don't want to hear what Ja Rule has to say. I, want, I don't want to hear Kanye. Got, Kanye got to say about any of this. But what I will say is, if he had come out 
and and diss Trump, people would call him a hypocrite. If he had come out and, and supported the families and didn't diss Trump, people would call him a hypocrite. So I do believe that the brother's smart enough to know that the best thing he could have did was to send that young man, send George Floyd's daughter to, to school, give money, protest with the people. All those things I applaud. I think it's admirable. And I think that was the right thing for him to do. I still think it's our job as, as his peers to call him out for his hip, hip, hypocrisy and his love for Trump. But I applaud what he did. I think, for me, I think Kanye is so confused, right? He, like, he, he doesn't have a position. Like, that's a very dangerous person for me. You know what I'm saying? When you, you flip-flop, you say this, you say that, you go here, you go here... Like his integrity is in question. So I don't, I don't know who you're gonna be. Like it's like somebody stabbing you in the back and then they say sorry. Like mm-hmm. Kanye has done so much damage to our culture. Like the shit he did wasn't just oh you like Trump. He mm-hmm. damaged the culture. You know what I'm saying? He led people astray. He put people. He was he was given GOP talking points that were lies. Like he would just right. do shit. He was given validity to somebody he that he didn't even realize was damaging us. Like, or he realized, or he didn't, or he did it for whatever his political gain, his, you know, his financial gain, whatever it was. It was so dangerous to me that at a point I said Kanye West was the most dangerous black person in America at one time. Yeah, and I just just to add on to what you're saying, I want to I want to I just add, add to your point. I want you to finish, but you're absolutely right because me, the people know I'm online a lot. I'll be tweeting a lot, and I see the direct influences. I see not just one or two individuals, but I see whole groups of black people. And uh, granted, there's a lot of white boys and digital black face, and there's a lot of bots and all that. But that's not who I'm talking about in this conversation. I'm talking about I see a lot of black people form groups around the idea that we can now like MAGA, we can now like Trump. And I feel like Kanye is directly responsible for that. And, he did, and then when he went, he was at HBCU, sitting there with Trump's talking points. Like, he was, people was going there to him saying music. He's like, yo, don't, I'm with Trump. I love Trump. The Republican Party was the one that freed the blacks. You don't know that. And he's saying this, but he don't, he's like giving them proper education. He's giving some talking points that somebody gave you. Not, he's not saying that, not this Republican Party. The, the Democratic Party used to be the Republican Party, and then they switched. They switched, you know, they switched positions. But he's just saying the words, and people are like, word. And they just hearing things. He don't know what he's talking about. He's just using talking points. And he's trying to get, you know, then one minute you, 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 you with the church, then one minute, you know, you you a sick fuck. You want you like are you just too confusing for me. So I can't allow you in my house. You got my picnic because I don't know what you're gonna do. Not in my picnic. All right, right. Mark, he go, he, can he go to he, the picnic. I Mark? can tell you what he goes. He he, he, he can come to the picnic. Oh, he heard bun talking. Okay, bun, bun talking. Yeah, yeah bun. Hold on, bun. You, you breaking up? Hold on. Barbecue, he's gonna bring that raisins in it. That's what he's gonna do for your bottle. Yeah, I'm in. I'm going. Can y'all hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, that's why you can't bring Kanye to the barbecue because he's gonna bring potato salad, but it's gonna be potato salad with raisins and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 um, when Kanye said that shit about the Republican Party freed the slaves, I texted the nigga. I was like, yo, that's that's that you spread incorrect information, bro. I hit him directly, and what he did was he said, to, I sent him the links. I sent him the links so of all the information, like you missed this, this, that. He said, put this in a put this in a screenshot so I could post it out. So so people could see both sides of the argument. So I put it in a screenshot. He said, nah, that's too too much information. I was like, brother, if you want, if you don't, if you don't want the information, then you need to stop speaking. I I, I did I condensed it, right? I condensed the information and I put he, he he tweeted it out. He tweeted it out, but I think it was Steve Stout who gave him those those talking points. 
Because then, then he was like, he tweeted out something that Steve Stout had told him after that. So I'm like, okay, like you not, you you talking to people who are maybe good people, but they don't know shit about politics. Exactly. And some people, some people want to have an insightful conversation and grow, and some people don't. I remember, it's probably been six, seven years now, I talked to Kanye, and he was saying some wild shit. He was in Chicago, and I, I, I made my counter-argument. I hear what you're saying, you got all these facts, but I, I ain't fucking with your facts, because they, they, they go against what I already think. So... <laughs> if somebody says some shit like that, yeah. that means that they're not trying to grow. They're not trying to learn. So I, I don't, I don't dispose of people. Mark, he could have said that. Ain't no, no, ain't no, no, oh, oh no, he oh, definitely oh, said that shit. This nigga no, said, he said that. that. <laughs> this nigga that, that, said, I ain't fucking with your facts. That's that's what I already shit. think. <laughs> and he got. It's crazy because there's conscious people in his circle, right? Like GLC is in his circle. He's super conscious. Uh, the, the brother Malik is in his circle. They're super conscious. I know for a fact that they tried to sit down with him before the Trump meeting and go over like a list of things. Like, this is what you need to be asking for. Like, these are the things that you need to be talking about. You know what I'm saying? You need to be talking about, you know, helping the children in the inner cities of Chicago. You need to be talking about police reform. You need to be talking about prison reform. They gave him all of that shit, but that's... he. he this is the problem that we have with the police, Right? Um, not to get off of Kanye, because we could, I, I don't have a problem staying on his case for a minute. But that's the problem with police. Police get training. They get sensitivity training. They get rule, taught rules of engagement, what's what's legal and what's not legal, when, and, and, and interactions, and during escalation. But it, none of that means nothing if they don't want to implement that shit. So you can teach police the right way to engage with a community, but if they don't receive it and they don't implement it, it's redundant. And that's the problem with Kanye. You can give him all the conscious facts and information that you want to give him. But to be honest, the brother wants to believe that he knows what's best for everybody. And I don't know if that's a if that's a byproduct of his mental illness. I don't know if he's bipolar. Like, I don't know what exactly his mental illness situation is. Right. But and not to like deafen the voice of people with mental health, but even they need to be aware. Yeah, like I, I just don't think the nigga taking his medicine sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like we dealt with that with Pimp. You know, Pimp had mental health, and Pimp didn't like taking his medicine sometimes because it would leave him somewhat numb, right? Like not able to really deal with his emotions and, and be in touch with his emotions, so he wouldn't want to take his medicine. But then now you purely acting off of emotion, and that's not going to work either. Yeah. Like you have to have some sense of reason. I just saw that John Legend said. And he ain't really been dealing with Kanye that much. And John Legend is woke than a motherfucker. Like, John gets it. Right. You know, he's in the space. He's active. He puts his money where his mouth is. You know what I'm saying? And so when there's only so much that people can try to talk to somebody and when they, until they realize that this dude is not trying to hear this. Like he said, I'm not fucking with your facts right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he told that's why he told Sway you don't have all the answers because he believes he has all the answers. Right. Uh, and you that, don't. That, you can make good music, but that don't mean nothing when it comes to society's uh, you know, systemic racism and our social standards and everything else that we deal with. And and Kwali is right, man. Everybody don't need to be talking. Motherfuckers need to really sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up when it comes to speaking about this shit. Just because you got a platform, like, you have to be really understanding of the weight and the power of your platform, right? And so there are a lot of kids who hear Kanye talk about God and talk about all this type of shit and think Kanye's got it. Like, why else would he be as famous and as popular as he is 
if he didn't know what he was talking about. Right. That ain't got shit to do with nothing. You ain't got to know what you're talking about to make a good record. That's two totally different things. It's so dangerous. And and like my son says, that that level of power and influence is dangerous because of how detrimental it can be. You know what I'm saying? Sending mixed messages. Sending mixed messages not only sends people in the wrong direction, sometimes it just makes people indifferent. Right? Right. It make it, it puts people in position like I don't know who the fuck led to, so fuck it. I'm just I'm out of it. Nobody. Yeah, exactly. You don't, think, you don't think that was like that was like his version of saying, "Yo, I'm trying to make a step towards the right direction" because he went to actual Chicago, walked with the people. Like I think that's his version of doing. It. I don't think everyone. Maybe. Huh? But here's the thing, Kanye. That, 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 that doesn't mean he has good intentions. That makes right. for good optics. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That shit makes for good optics. I don't believe it. I, I see pictures. I see people um were faking their their black like they had a a model right who showed up to the march held up a sign took a picture and left right <laughs> you know like just like standing on a corner that she knew the march was gonna walk past as soon as the marchers came she stood there held up a sign and left posted it on social media and now she's trying to give the appearance that she's woke this shit is about optics yeah. the other thing like, is I don't believe that shit I don't believe that because. He, there's a there's a million di- look how many people got killed in Chicago this weekend like yeah, 84 crazy. people shot 18 people died in Chicago 24 hours that was in 24 hours yeah, that, that's, that's, that's insane and, 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 and the thing is there's another piece to this right? I mean the cynical read is and I think it's fair to be some more cynical Kanye skeptical at least is giving 2 million dollars when you're declared a billionaire by Forbes is not an extraordinary act I mean you almost have to give $2 million donations for tax purposes, right? So he could have given it to a lot of places. I mean, especially, especially when your homies is giving $50. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. But the other piece of this is, it's not that Kanye doesn't love black people. I never thought Kanye didn't love black people. And even a white racist can see that George Floyd shouldn't have died that way. Even if they don't give a fuck, they can still know that, it, that he shouldn't have died that way. So to me, showing that you are upset about George Floyd isn't a sign of any kind of conversion. The, the issue with Kanye is not that he doesn't see black poverty and black death and black pain. The question is, how does he make sense of it? How does he process it? If you think that black death is your own choice, if you think slavery is a choice, so Kanye thinks slavery is fucked up. He just thinks, he, but when he says it's a choice, it's his analysis of how we ended up there. That's the problem. Similarly, if you have a bootstraps narrative that says that black people are poor and black people are dying, and it's because they don't unify, they don't organize, they don't do what they need to do, instead of blaming the, the, the structures and the institutions that made him a billionaire and that make us on the, on the wrong side of so much vulnerability, then, then that's the issue with Kanye. So Kanye marching with people against against somebody getting killed in broad daylight, that doesn't mean shit to me. I need to see Kanye say the problem is the fact that black people are vulnerable in the first place. The problem is that black people are jobless. The fact is that black people in the middle of COVID-19, which should be a universal illness, black people are the ones dying from it at a disproportionate rate. And so those that kind of analysis is what I need from Kanye. But I, let me say that differently. I don't need it from Kanye. I just need it from Kanye if he's going to talk. Yeah. I'm okay if Kanye don't talk. I don't, I, I don't make beats. I don't rap. It's not, I'm not good at it. And if I went out there and rap, I would rap as well as Kanye does social analysis. <laughs> I don't do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so, so that's, that, and that's exactly the problem. So it's not just about Kanye. It's about getting artists and intellectuals and activists 
who have an analysis, who have something to offer. So when Quad does it, when my son does it, when Bun does it, it's different because y'all y'all are informed by these issues. I ain't got the only platform for this shit. I want y'all to talk as much as I want to talk. But if you don't have the analysis, then don't do it. And it's not just artists. There's, act, there's intellectuals or, or, or people with PhDs that don't have the right analysis. There's people with PhDs that are saying the same dumb shit that, 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 that I'm mad at Kanye for. So I don't want to hear a Boyce Watkins analysis any more than I want to hear a Kanye analysis. Because it's the same problem. <laughs> same problem. Yeah, that, that's that's the issue for me, man. It's like I, I think I think it's amazing that Kim is the one that has that le- a level of, of awareness. <laughs> right. It's, it's really true. It's uh, really true. She's way more. Like Kim true. is the one that has the compassion. I feel like Kim's got the compassion. Hold on, Bun. The OG in the bad zone. Yeah, bad zone. He's driving. Well, yeah, like he said, man. Kim has she has more compassion. She seems to just think about things before she talks. Kanye has a god complex, and that's what the issue is. Yeah, you know, and it's really what it is. He 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 believes that he knows more than everybody on every subject. He just found out about it yesterday. The empathy. She has the awareness. Oh, oh, I mean, I don't know if that was before or not, but she's Armenian, like so. Her family immigrant. Damn, those sound like some good points he was making. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he lost him. We lost him, man. Well, like you say, yeah, she got the talking points. Somebody educated her. And she's doing the work. That's the other yeah. thing. What, what, what good is to have analysis if you don't do shit? And that's the other problem. There's people who got plenty of analysis and don't do shit. You can critique them all day. And look, it's not that I don't have criticisms of, of anybody who's doing reform work. I'm a radical. But at least there are people who are home right now who wouldn't be home if not for Kim Kardashian's work. It's people who are free that wouldn't be free. And that shit got to count for something. That's all I'm saying. Right. It does. That's right. That's right. I mean, I think that Kim's Kim's family, want the, 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 the thing that they're best at is, is optics and is publicity and is media. And so I think they, I think more than anything, but the cynical argument would be Kim understands and her family understand the optics better than Kanye. But I also think I'm an optimist, you know, and I'm also... I'm also, I'm pro-black, but I believe in the human spirit, you know, and I, I would like to think that when I see, I don't even know the names of the, I don't even know, the, I don't follow any of the gossipy stuff, but I saw like the sisters was arguing, there was a clip that went on and went viral, one of them was upset because she's like, I'm so famous and just, they, they're, they're starting to critique the fame machine that has made them famous. And I think when you grow older, you have children, and Kim Kardashian got black children. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when you grow older and you see the world, and you have a chance to move out of that fame machine, and you 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 able to be like, wow, okay, this doesn't just this affects my black children as well. And you she, when she talks about getting a law degree, when she talks about like, what am I going to just be famous for being Kim Kardashian? I think we see the growth in her, and you want we want to see off of Kanye that we not seeing. I think we've seen it's not even growth. We've seen decline. Like you know, he, when we college dropout, we we thought he knew. We, we thought he was hundred percent clear. You know, and to your point, when you said Kim is doing the work, like she's actually getting people out of prison. Like Kanye is doing the reverse. He's 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 getting people killed because he's validating to white people why these black people don't deserve anything because they they made the choice to be there. You know what I'm saying? They, they need to do these things. If they do something better, it could change. So white people t- take that and say, look, even Kanye knows. 
You know what I'm saying? So they they actually on two different ends of the spectrum when you talk about this situation. And I want to tell you so that we're doing something right, and just just I, I don't want to forget it. We um Rihanna Taylor, the sister who was killed in Kentucky, who was shot by the police eight times. They shot over forty rounds into her home, no knock warrant, kicked in the door. The boyfriend did mid order night. He hears somebody kick the door. They don't say the police. They don't say nothing. He fires one warning shot. They shoot through the house. They never even walk through the door. Over 30 plus shots. Eight of them went into her. The other ones shot into a bedroom where her little sister and her daughter was at. But they weren't there. They they usually be there. If they would have been, it would have been three women had been dead if, if they had been home. They charged him with attempted murder because he shot one warning shot after they kicked in and didn't say nothing. The man they was looking for never lived in the house. But he had already, he also had already been in custody nine hours before they even did, they even came with the warrants. So everything is fucked up. So we, 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 we still, we need these officers that they haven't been fired. Some of them, you know, they're on desk duty. They Nothing has happened working, to them, right? Huh? They're still working. All they're of still working, still on everything. Nothing has happened. He just got out of prison. Her husband, her boyfriend, for the temporary, they just dropped the charges because he had a lawyer, a black lawyer, who said, I don't even get why you're in here. So she let him go. But we still fighting to get something to happen for her. And it's unfortunate. You know, I work with a lot of women. And they point out every day. I was on a conversation with Janelle Monet and um, Marsha Ambrose and a couple other of us. We had a conversation. And they said, why is it that nobody cares about black women? Like, why aren't our brothers as vocal about black women dying as we are about them? That's right. You know, and, that's, and it touched me. It really touched me. You know, so what we're doing, they're putting out, the sisters are putting out this whole, it's about, I think it's Alicia Keys, it's um, Cardi B, it's so many, so many sisters, they're putting out PSA, and I've been, I've been, you know, Until Freedom, my organization, Tamika put it, put it together, and I've been tasked to get as many of my brothers of influence to repost it. When you see it go out from these sisters, for us to repost is standing solidarity. So I, I ask y'all to ask all the brothers of influence who have platforms to do the same thing. No doubt. Like, I want to just add on. Uh, th- thank you for saying that, my son. I think it's very important. Uh, me personally, I've, I've been paying attention. Your, your journey as an artist and as an activist is very important to me. Is very, very inspirational to me. And I want to appreciate you for what you're doing. I think that the work that Until Freedom does and Tamika and everybody down with that organization has been powerful. Like, I got people in my family in New York who are not political who text me and be like, yo, you think I should support Until Freedom? And I'm like, yes, yes. And that that shows me that y'all doing the work because y'all reaching the people who don't even really pay attention all the time, you know? So, and I will say with the, with the I'm glad you made that point because we have, we have nothing but brothers on this call. Um, in our, in our movement, there's a, a huge, huge strain to patriarchy. Like, like I, I'm, I'm a rapper. I'm a, I'm a black man. I'm a straight black man. I, I have, I have fallen into the same traps of misogyny and homophobia and all these things that straight black men generally fall into. I'm guilty of all of it. I've tried to grow as a human being. But when I went, when I first went to 
uh, meet the Dream Defenders in, in Florida. When I first went to Ferguson over the Mike Brown thing, I saw black women on the front lines of the struggle more than anybody. And that's that's not that's that's not scientific. That's my an- anecdote. You know, my personal viewpoint is like, and I, I gotta say, I saw black women, straight black women, and gay black women on the front lines more than a lot of people. And a lot of these straight brothers could be like the Black Lives Matter is gay, and, and and these women don't care about the black men. They the ones I didn't see. The people who on, on, on the, the people who talk the most shit online, they the ones I don't see in the, in the front line. So when you see say her name, you know when you see people talk about uh, Breonna Taylor and see people talk about Sandra Bland, we have to we have to do as as men what we ask white people to do for black people. We have to not just say that we're, we stand with women. We have to actively be anti-sexist. We have to actively be anti-misogynist and make sure that we are active in the way that we are uplifting these women. And that means we got to ride for them. So, because I, I agree, like when Mike Brown died in 2014, Sandra Bland was, was, was the name we should have been saying. Renisha McBride was the name we should have been saying. All of our big campaigns, whether it's Rodney King, Trayvon, uh, George Floyd, it's always a black man. You know, and, usually, and, and we have to be able to have a nationwide outrage over Breonna Taylor the same way we do over George Floyd. And black trans women die at a higher rate than anybody else. I mean, the, I think the national life expectancy of black trans women is 35. If we say black lives matter, that means mean every single black life, all black lives matter. And that means that we got to have these campaigns for them too. We're in Minnesota protesting for justice for all black people and a trans woman, uh, Iyana Dior, was beaten senselessly by 30 people in Minnesota at the same time. Like, that shit can't happen. All black lives gotta matter and we gotta be willing to march and campaign and tear down shit and fight for laws that that affect them as well. Everybody. And and, and if we don't do that, then we won't get anywhere. Black women have historically been on the front lines. Yep. Through every civil rights movement that we've ever had in this country, black women have always been on the front line because black women know what happens to black men in society. And that's why, if you look at women in general, women women in our country always compromise for their men, right? Women, you know, black women, you know, didn't join the feminism movement until later because they stood for with black men for civil rights. So they were behind the ball on that. Um, Black women know how important it is to have a black man in the house with the children, which is why they stand up so strong for black men. They know what what police do to black men, right? They know what racists, what the Klan has historically done to black men, right? As far as demasculating and, you know, cutting off with penises and all these different things, right? And so as bad as it is, for them, they still put their own personal needs to the side um, to stand in for black men. We need to look at every black woman as we look at our mother in that same way. That's the reality. Like we look at black women and we understand that they're mothers, but we don't hold them and we quit. I'm out. I'm done. You know, and so we equate, right? Like every black woman is potentially somebody's somebody's sister. And we have to learn socially to hold them in a higher regard than we do. You know what I'm saying? To, um, there was a woman 
Oh, I sound like a Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I was going to think of what was Brianna's birthday, right? It needs to speak for all of Black sisters. <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize for that. But yeah, so and so when we went there, me and Trade the Truth went to this to this rally, and they were like, "Well, we weren't going to let any black men speak, but if y'all want to say something, like, no, we're not here to talk. We're here to support y'all. We're here to back y'all up." We're here in solidarity in the same way that y'all show up to everything that we do, right? And silently but proudly march with us and stand in front of us. You know what I'm saying? It's our turn now. Today is your day to speak, and it's our turn to sit in the back silently holding y'all down. And we just got to learn to do that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. That's it. I learned how to do that. Black men. You know, I watch... My sister Tamika go into a space that was uncomfortable because she knew it was benefited for us. And she d- intentionally went in there knowing that white women and other people were gonna attack her. And, you know, and I and I stood in that space around with women and I took lead. I let them take the lead and I followed and I helped and I filled in gaps. And she took a lot of the, you don't even understand the shit that she took behind the behind closed doors in those rooms where white women were trying to tell her about, you know, why, what is, what is, um, um, what does black issues have to do with women's issues? Like, what does black have to do with women's issues? You know, those are arguments they was having. Like, I don't understand. What is being black? We talking about women. What is, why are you talking about being black? You know, and she had to firmly stand there and make sure that black women were centered and everything. And that's what made her a target. You know, her not being willing to denounce Minister Farrakhan. Her not, you know, standing firm in that and taking all this pressure, man, you know. So I understand the plight of the black woman. I'm, Let's make some noise for that. Everybody, everybody, everybody make some noise for as well. All black women, big up to me as well. I'm very proud of them, very proud of them. Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, you go ahead. Let's, let's, let's not forget, let's not forget with Tracy Morgan. Let's not forget, stood up against Tina Fey. But Tina Fey tried to say that that's like uh, it, 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 it's breaking up again, boss. Right. You talking about that bitch is a new black? America, but the plight of the white woman is no bitch is a new black. Yeah. Yeah. She said bitch is a new black. I didn't even hear that one. Yeah, she, when, when when Hillary when Hillary Clinton was leading was leading in the polls, and remember uh, uh, Tina Fey was doing the Sarah Palin on SNL. She yeah. did a skit. Where she said, "Just remember, you know, bitch is the new black." And then Tracy came next week, and what he said, he said, "Black is the new." He said something funny to respond to her, but you know, but but the, the community, the black community, I don't think you know. I'm a fan of Tina Fey, but that was that was very very tone deaf. It was very tone deaf, and the timing was wrong, and it just wasn't it wasn't something dope to say at all. And um and Tracy had to come. He was still he was still cast member on SNL at that time, and, and say something. I imagine that I imagine that conversation happened like like after the show, like yo, like that ain't gonna work. You know what right. I'm mean? saying? Right, like fuck is you doing? <laughs> right. Like, like fuck out of here. And I'm sure take, you know, I'm sure black people had to educate her. And then, you know, her being, you know, very open-minded person was like, you know what, let's talk about it. Let's, right. you know, let me give you because keep in mind, she's the show, she was the head writer, right? She was one of the main producers for the show. And she didn't debate his issue or whatever. She was open up, open-minded enough to let him come on and like, you know what? Well, tell me that on camera. Let's, you know, let's have this conversation in real right. time. Right. 
Um, well, I wanted to add to the conversation real quick. I've been taking notes um, about, because, you know, when my son brought up Breonna Taylor, the uprising, um, you know, and, and, and if you do movement work, you learn to call what they call riots, you learn to call them uprisings. Um, you know, the uprising sort of helped to reopen the case for Breonna Taylor. And, um, and so people, you know, Martin Luther King was famous for saying that a, rise, uh, a riot is the language of the unheard. Heard, but yeah. too often we don't, we don't actually see the, the actual, that sounds romantic, it sounds good, but we don't actually quantify the tangible from that. And when, when King was, was murdered after, in 1968, Mark, Mark, you can correct me because you know more, more about history than I do probably, but the Civil Rights Act was passed shortly after the King riots, right? Yeah, another Civil Rights Act. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. Yep. Um, so, so just I want to list the things just for this conversation that I've noticed that I've seen a change in uh, since the uprisings in Minneapolis over George Floyd. And starting with SNL, you know, a friend of mine, Jimmy Fallon, who was silent about doing blackface, he apologized for blackface on TV and then brought Jane Elliott on his program on Tonight Show. And for me to see Jane Elliott on the Tonight Show and to see Jimmy Fallon apologize for blackface, that was a good thing. The NFL apologizing for not taking the players' protest seriously came out of these uprisings. Um, the Confederate flag removal from the Marines and the Army, they, we don't fuck with the Confederate flag no more. That came out of these uprisings. Bob Johnson, a conservative billionaire, is now pro-reparations publicly that came out of these uprisings. The officers who, who, who got arrested, defund the police. Mark, you said a ra- you, you were radical, right? So defund the police as a concept, which is different than abolish the police, yes. but to defund the police, move from the fringe to the, to the more moderate and more mainstream. Now you got liberals and people who are going to vote Democrat and people who don't consider themselves radicals saying we should defund the police. Right, I've, right. Seen, I've seen videos of gang solidarity. I've seen the Latin Kings linking up with the Bloods. I've seen, you know, we've, we've seen that before, but just I've seen it come as a result of this of this tragedy with George Floyd and the uprising. And the last thing I noticed, and the thing that, that made me most excited, when I seen the chief of, of Chicago police saying after a week of uprising, the police are just exhausted. So if we can just, if we can all band together and only in a week exhaust the Chicago Police Department, imagine what we could do in a year of sustained movement like this. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Drink Champs, hosted by yours truly, DJ EFN and NORE. Please make sure to follow us on all our socials. That's at Drink Champs across all platforms, at The Real Noriega on IG, at Noriega on Twitter. Mine is at Who's Crazy on IG, at DJ EFN on Twitter. And most importantly, stay up to date with the latest releases, news, and merch by going to drinkchamps.com. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.